You're listening to Body of Work, and I'm Hannah Mooney, here to bring you stories of movers and shakers in the sports, fitness, health, and food industries who are known for their bodies. Each episode is a chance to dive into the backgrounds of my guests to discuss how their views on their bodies, athleticism, self-esteem, and more have shaped the person they are today. Many of these stories are those of success, but we don't only focus on the bodies they have. More importantly, we focus on what made them. What was the work it took to get there? And what was the mindset to stay great? Motivation matters most. And so what motivates the people we admire most to stick with the things that make them great? Well, find out here. None of my guests just have a body. They put in the work for all of it. Today, I'm on the line with Colleen Quickly. Welcome, Colleen. Hi, Anna. Thanks for having me. No problem. It's so good to talk to you. For everyone listening on the line, Colleen is a professional runner. She runs with the Bowerman Track Club that's based out of Portland. Um, born in St. Louis, right? Yep. Nice. Are you a Cardinals fan? Go Cards! Lost the Rams recently, but yeah, we still have Cardinals. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm actually from Portland, so the Bowerman Track Club has a special place in my heart, as does yeah. the city. So That's awesome. It, it really is. It's a place that I definitely miss. I live in D.C. now, and it's just not the same. Very, very different culture. Um, but having you on the line is so great for everyone listening. Colleen was in the 2016 Olympics in Rio. She's looking to go to Tokyo later this year, and we'll get into that in a little bit, um, running the steeplechase um, in the hopes of taking home some hardware. Yeah. Exciting. But today we're on the line just really to talk about the you know effects of being a runner, what kind of happens when your life goes in a direction that you don't really expect it to go in, what the types of decisions that you make can really change the trajectory of your life, um, and how really being an athlete is all about the work that you put in, not necessarily it being easy, which, as you know, listening to this podcast is something that I care about deeply, so... Colleen, can you tell us a little bit about what your background is? How did you get to the place that you are? I know it's a lots of twists and turns. Yeah, for sure. So um, I come from a family of runners, actually. Um, my dad and mom both ran marathons back in the day, um, just kind of, I guess, for fun. But they they both actually wanted to make the Olympic trials in the marathon. That was their their goal. Um, neither of them ended up being able to achieve that goal, but they were, my mom came close actually. Um, but they were, yeah, they're marathon runners, ran Boston, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then my brother ran in college and he actually ran pro for a couple of years. Um, but I grew up, my sister and I both grew up saying, I don't want to be a runner. I want to be a dancer. Um, I did dance and played soccer for a long time until freshman year of high school. Um, and I finally succumbed to the the running <laughs> genes, I guess, in my family. Um, but I went out for the cross country team my freshman year and just got hooked on it and ended up getting a scholarship to go to Florida State and run for Karen Harvey, where um, that was my coach there. And she introduced me to this crazy event called the Steeplechase and taught me how to hurdle over stuff and jump over water, um, which I can explain. And um, then four years later, joined the Barman Track Club and started thinking about going to the Olympics, uh, which was, yeah, it was just never, that was never a goal or a thought, even in my little, you know, little Colleen head when I was growing up. So 
Um, it definitely has been a wild ride since then with lots of just, oh, maybe I should think about going to school and getting my school paid for and running in the NCAA. Hmm, okay, I could do that. And then, oh, maybe I should think about like signing, trying to get a contract, signing a pro contract and going to the Olympics. Like, huh, like that'd be cool. Like, let me try that. Um, and just like letting it kind of, I guess, um, develop naturally along the way and progress at a, at a very gradual, um, rate. There was never any like, I wasn't like some high school phenom that was setting records or anything like that. It just kind of, yeah, progressed naturally to where I am today. You know, I, I had the goal of like staying in shape for this, for soccer. My first, um, fall as a cross country runner. I was like, I'm going to go out for cross country to stay in shape for soccer in the spring. And I just fell in love with the girls on the team and just that team culture of runners. Um, and I know you're new to running, but like runners are the best people ever. And so I just fell in love with those girls. I thought they were so cool and so nice. And the seniors were, you know, so supportive and they just, um, you know, made the freshman, freshman feel like, part of the team you know there was never hazing or um anything like that and so it was super fun and then it came time for cross country or for track tryouts in the spring and I was like I mean sorry it came time for soccer tryouts in the spring and I was like you know what I'm having so much fun with the cross country team I'm just gonna do track um and so I just went out for track instead of soccer like what and then yeah that was it it was like this is the sport for me um so yeah it just I guess it fell into place in the way that every time there was an opportunity, um, I was open to that. And I wasn't like, no, this is what my plan is. I'm sticking to the plan. I was kind of like, oh, that sounds interesting. And then I would, you know, like weigh the the um, positives and negatives of that opportunity. Like when it came time to go to college, I actually had the opportunity to either take this scholarship and go to Florida State or move to New York and start working full-time for my modeling agency. I was doing some modeling in high school, and the agency I was with wanted me to, they were waiting for me to graduate high school so that I could move to New York and, like, really work kind of, like, full-time as a model. And so I thought I was going to do that. I was like, that sounds great. (laughs) Um, That sounds, like, fabulous. And then, yeah, the opportunity came to go to school, and I had to say, hmm, like kind of rethink that, like, is that really what I want to do? And maybe going to school for free and being able to keep running. And I was meeting girls on these new teams, these collegiate teams I was visiting who were amazing and kind and, you know, wanted me to come run with them and were telling me how great it was to run in college and stuff. And so instead of being like, I have to stay the course and do this, I was like, hmm, maybe I should seek out this other opportunity and maybe that's actually where I should be. Um, and then, yeah, freshman year, I remember being like, thank God I'm here. Like, this is what where I'm supposed to be. Like, this is home. Um, and same thing, I think when I joined the Barman Track Club, I was like, well, first of all, I was like, Portland is really rainy. <laughs> so I think that was my first impression, <laughs> as yeah. you know. Um, but then, yeah, obviously, eventually I was like, yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be. And I was really glad that I took that opportunity and took that risk to, um, yeah, dive into professional running as a career. Like, who knew you could do that? Yeah, who knew? I mean, yeah. at 
it was 2015 when you signed professionally with Bowerman, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so when did you graduate from college? That summer, 2015. So I graduated in like May and then the NCAA championships were, I believe, in June uh, for Florida State. And then two weeks later uh, was U.S. champs with all the pros. And by that time, I had already signed a contract with Nike and the Byron Track Club and competed um, for for the Byron Track Club to try and and qualify for world champs, which was later that summer in uh, Beijing, China. Um, so yeah, and I I did I competed I was third that year and competed for Team USA for the very first time. Your your ability to go from the collegiate environment to the professional running environment, what was that like? Was it scary? Was it like this is essentially an extension of being in college and this is epic? Um, or like how was it going from Tallahassee, which is <laughs> lovely kind of um, weather-wise, to Portland, which is a big old drag, but also beautiful. Like, how how was all of that? Yeah, I mean, I couldn't have been more different from where I moved um, from the Sunshine State in Tallahassee, Florida, with a coach who's very hands-on, very involved. Um, she was an amazing coach to me. We clicked really well. Karen Harvey at Florida State recruited me and coached me and was, yeah, super hands-on in Florida. And then all of a sudden I signed this contract and I'm still part of a team, but as a professional runner, you feel much more like an individual than you do in, when you're in college on a team. And so you feel more responsible for yourself and you have to, yeah, you have to kind of take care of your own shit. Um, whereas in college you're, you know, a little more of a baby. Um, and all of a sudden I live in Portland, Oregon, where it's raining every gosh darn day and you never see the sun, um, all fall and winter when I moved there at least. Um, and my coach was very hands off. He's an amazing coach, but he's not like, you don't see him every day. You don't talk to him every day. If you're injured, you might not talk to him for weeks and weeks on end. Um, and so you just have to like, you know, you have to be more responsible and you have to take care of yourself and no one's going to hold your hand to make sure that you go to physical therapy. Like you just, yeah, you have to take care of yourself. So that was definitely a transition. Um, and then just the level of competition obviously is a whole nother, it's a whole nother level um, than from college. So just standing on the start line next to women who are already Olympians or already have been to world championships um, or you're standing on a start line with international athletes. Um, from all over the world who you've never raced before. You don't know their names or anything about them. Um, and versus, you know, when you're in college, you pretty much know everybody at that, you know, by the time I graduated, I knew all my competitors and everything. Um, so yeah, it was everything basically was different. Um, but I think everyone goes through that at some point where you're like, yeah, I could stay. Well, I guess I couldn't stay where I was cause I was graduating, but you know, you could stay where you are, wherever your comfort zone is. And it's like, I, I could just kind of stay here and not, you know, not really um, put myself in any danger here. Or I could just kind of take the plunge and it's going to be really scary at first. And I'm probably going to feel way out of my element and feel so like I don't belong and I'm not good enough to be here and feeling all those like insecurities um, to where I am now is like, yeah, five, almost five years later. I'm like, I stand on the starting line being like, I deserve to be here. I've been here before. And I know what the heck I'm doing. And I know most of the people that I compete against if I don't know them 
Um, it doesn't really scare me anymore that I don't know them. Um, but I had to, yeah, I had to go through that time where it was really scary and really different and, um, just hope that, you know, it was going to work out. Yeah. What it sounds like you're telling me is like that. I mean, you've been there for five years, almost five years. So like at a certain point, that confidence seems to come from just doing it. Yeah. There's a lot of people that have a misunderstanding about athletes at like very elite levels that you just kind of like get on the starting line and you're like, I deserve to be here with the ego that you see in a movie or, you know, on an ESPN interview. And it's like, no, it's like a little unnerving. And what you're saying is like, you grew into that confidence. Was it, was that helped by your teammates and kind of the environment that you're in since you're in a training environment all the time? Totally. It, it really helped having other people on the team. At that time, we only had like three women on our team and I think like 10 or 12 um, men. And so not, I mean, we had, I had a couple of women that I could look up to and talk to, but we were a team in, in, in the way of like, yeah, I could get advice from these sisters or brothers. Like we were supportive of one another and they had experiences that I'd never had before. And so they were able to show me the ropes and tell me how it was going to be or what to expect when we got to Worlds, you know, like what the warm-up scenario was going to be like, what the check-in process might be like, um, you know, drug testing, all that kind of stuff that um, I, you know, I had never done before. So I had really good role models and like a good support system. Um, but also just like you have to just do it. Like you just have to do it for yourself. People can tell you what it's going to be like and what to expect, but at the end of the day, you're not going to feel comfortable until you do it and you do it like a few times. Um, I felt a little more comfortable when I got to Rio because I had competed at uh, Worlds in 2015. So I was like, I kind of know what to expect, but it was still different. And 2017, I felt a little more confident going into London, having competed two summers before that, you know. Um, so I'm hoping by the time I get to Tokyo, I'm even more confident just from having those experiences under my belt, there's really no way to get over it rather other than just doing it yourself, but just experiencing it and like being a big girl about it. <laughs> yeah. That's very Nike of you. <laughs> it is, it is really interesting when you were talking about going to school, how you were like, w- like, why not go to school for free? Because everybody's like, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but what did you study when you were there? Yeah, I ended up my freshman year, I was an exploratory major, which I always thought was hilarious. I was like, I'm an explorer. I'm exploring my world and my opportunities. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's what they called it, FSU. But I was undecided, basically. Um, And then my sophomore year, maybe end of my freshman year, one of my older teammates was telling me we're just on a run together. And anyone who runs with people know that, like, the best conversations happen when you're just, like, running. Um, and she was telling me about her major and like what she does and what she's learning about and like what she wants to do with that. And I was like, holy shit, that's a major. Like, that's what I want to do. Like, I didn't even know that was an option. And she was studying dietetics. Um, and so I found out about that major and it just seemed to really jive with my, just who I am, um, and how I grew up because my family had nutrition and just a healthy lifestyle as one of our I guess our family values. Um, both my parents are kind of granola hippies. And so, yeah, we would have 
Um, like our big treat might be like a frozen pizza once a month if we had a babysitter and we had, you know, couldn't cook or something, but we didn't have macaroni and cheese as a staple. We didn't have Lunchables. We didn't have, um, I don't know, like what are the processed hot pockets or like, I'm trying to think of like normal sugary cereal. We never had sugar cereal. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I always grew up that way with like you chop vegetables and you cook them and you have real food, like whole foods, not the grocery store, but like whole foods that you prepare and eat and you sit around the table as a family and you eat. Um, and so I was like, this is great. This is so up my alley, but in a more like learning about it in a more scientific way where I could like learn these principles and then apply that to try and help people figure out how to whatever it was like lose baby weight or just feel like they have more energy and just feel better about themselves and their body image and feel more confident. Um, so I thought like that would be really fun. So I was taking that, those studies very seriously because I thought I really did um, think that that that's what I was going to do when I graduated. I never thought I was going to be a professional runner. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this four-year undergrad program. Then you do a one-year internship somewhere throughout the country, an improved internship. And then I would, you know, sit for an exam and become a dietitian. Um, so yeah, it was something that I, well, something I really am still passionate about is food and nutrition and just like living a healthy, healthy lifestyle. That's so cool. I know that that's, you know, the way that you were describing going to school, it was like very, sounded very focused. Um, yeah. Do you see, I mean, being an athlete is really interesting because it's like the longevity of that career is very fickle in mm -hmm. cases. And so like, does, is that something, I mean, obviously it sounds like something you're really proud of because that means that you do have a career. You just, this is an interlude, you know, you've got right. your as a runner, but you you have the background to do something mm -hmm. different. And do you find that that helps yeah. you with your running too, is having that For background? For sure. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> so everyone's different. Obviously if you interviewed some of my other bowling track club teammates, um, some of them studied things that they were like interested in, but some of them like knew or had at least dreamed of becoming professional runners and Olympians since they were little. And so the focus was like less on school and more on the Olympics. Um, and so now their lives reflect that. I feel like, like they run and eat and sleep and play video games and run and eat and sleep and play video games, um, and dream about the Olympics. Whereas like, that's just not really, um, that's not my jam. I run and eat, um, and then maybe take a nap, but then I'm writing an article for my newsletter newsletter, or I'm making a new cooking video or making, um, a workout plan, a training plan for someone, or, um, just maybe it's, I have an email associated with my website and people will send me messages asking me questions or asking for advice or, um, like school projects or something. Um, so I'll spend the afternoon doing that. And then I go for my my swim in the evening or whatever and then eat dinner and then maybe while we're watching tv I'm also like on my laptop you know doing something else but that just makes me happy because I feel like that makes me feel like a more well-rounded whole person like I'm an athlete but I have so many other things that I'm interested in and passionate about and I think for some people like I just posted about this on my Instagram uh like last week because 
my old agent, who I don't work with anymore, um, had told me kind of multiple times in multiple ways that I needed to like focus and stop doing so many like other things outside of running because I was exhausting myself and I needed to just like focus on running. Um, and I just was obviously, I don't work with him anymore. So, um, I had a bad reaction to that. Cause I'm like, no, I, if I just like ate and slept and run and thought about running, I would go crazy. Like I would literally just go insane. Um, I like having other things that make me feel like a whole multidimensional person with other interests and capabilities. Like I can do more than just run. I have like a creative side too. Um, I have an entrepreneurial side and I think that only enhances my running when I feel like happy in my whole life and I feel fulfilled and I feel like I have all these great things going on and so much positive energy and positive mojo and momentum that only enhances my training that makes me inspired to go to practice and inspired to stand on the start line when like I look out in the crowd and I see young girls wearing their braids out in the crowd um, because braiding is my that's my thing and so um, I get done with the race and they want to take a selfie with me and like you know pointing to their braids like I braided my hair for you and I'm like that's so cool. Like that's what I do this for. And it's not just, um, not just about running for me. Um, but every, yeah, everyone's different. If you talk to my other teammates, it's fun to see that everyone gets to do it in their own way. Um, and, and they, like they have found, each of them have found extreme success doing it in their own way. But, um, yeah, this is my way and I like doing it this way. (laughs) Yeah, there's so much to unpack there because that's... That was kind of a ramble, sorry. <laughs> no, dude, not at all. So like you you saying that, that makes... The thing that stood out to me is you said, this makes my running better. Yeah. Because it may... Like imagine like being at the starting line and being like, this is all I have. If I don't win right. this, this right. is all I have. So it's like a worth thing <clears throat> from the sounds of it. For sure, Yeah. I mean, running is a big part of my identity and who I am. Um, But I also feel like when I get done running, the most important part, I mean, especially just when you hear about things like Kobe passing recently and just the legacy that he left, it was like so much more than basketball for him and for people who followed him that like I'm obviously no Kobe, but um, just being like, yeah, this is more about more than just running. And when I retire from running, because this is a short lived thing and I can't, I can't do it forever. And when I tire, retire from, um, professional running, I want it to be like, oh yeah, she like won a couple medals or whatever. I want it to be more than that. I want it to be like, yeah. And she uplifted so many people along the way and like touched people and made people think differently or made people believe in themselves or, made people try something they never thought they were going to try. And even if it's just like a small group of people, um, you know, like that would be more meaningful to me than like some trophies or medals on the wall that like only I get to see because like, yeah. Okay. You like (laughs) going to die with your, your medals, you know, like who cares? But I think the legacy that someone, whether you're an athlete or any kind of like role model, um, whatever legacy you choose to leave behind is way more meaningful than like any accomplishments or trophies that you might acquire along the way. Yeah. Does that affect your training too? Like, do you think when you're thinking about like, uh, like 
uh, imagine this scenario. Like you're in the middle of a run. Like earlier you were like, I hate tempo runs. Like, yeah. So hate tempo runs, despise (laughs) them. You're in the middle of one and you're like, no, I'm done with this. And do you, what is the thing that like pushes you over? I'm, I'm tapped out. What, how do you keep going through that? Like, what is, yeah. What, like the thing that keeps you focused on what you're supposed to be doing? Are, is it those people that you're staying focused on or what? Yeah. I mean, multiple people um, outside of myself. I think you do for yourself a lot of things and that takes you a long ways, but it has its limitations, right? Like you're pushing yourself to a point where you're like, yeah, like F this. I don't want to do this anymore. What is it going to, what is it that's going to you know, can make you continue. And a lot of times I do think about that. Like I have to practice what I preach. I can't say to people like do whatever it takes and push yourself past your comfort zone. And as long as it's like, not like injury pain, you know, you have to like push yourself through that discomfort. It's going to hurt. Like it's supposed to hurt. And if you're going to stay where you are, it's comfortable, but, and nice and it feels good. But if you want to do something extraordinary, you have to be willing to go through that kind of um, discomfort. And it's, you know, it's not always fun all the time. You, you like to post about how great the workout was after, but you have to actually do it during. Um, And I definitely think about that when I'm like in that place of discomfort, I could just throw in the towel. um, But then I would just feel so I would feel so I would feel so disingenuous, just um, saying one thing and then not actually living up to all the hype. Um, and then the other thing that keeps me going is just having this, um, group around me that is so inspiring and so, um, supportive. We call ourselves the Barman Track Club women call ourselves the Barman Babes. And so my Barman Babes are always there, no matter if I feel good or not, like they're doing the workout. And so it's like either get on the train or go home, you know, like they're doing it no matter what. Um, sometimes I'm at the the front of the train having a great day. And sometimes I'm at the back of the train, just trying to hold on. Um, but having that group of people surrounding you is a game changer too. And whether that's like, you know, um, a husband who's willing to ride his bike along next to you during your 23 mile long run, or maybe it's just a gal pal who's going to hop in for the last 10 miles of your run because, um, she knows that's, she can't do the whole thing, but she wants to support you or maybe someone who's going to drop your your water bottles for you along the way so you can hydrate for your you know practicing for your marathon um that support system can come in so many different forms but I think that's really important too to have those people surrounding you so that when it gets hard you have someone to someone to lean on to yeah no I hear you on that the three things that you just described of like (laughs) like whoa those are genius I've never thought (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Someone yeah. on a bike is key. Um, they can also give you water, too, if they're on the bike. So that's key. Um, or, yeah, even if someone's like, oh, you're running 25 miles. I can't do that. Well, can you run five? Um, come join me for five. And even just having that person somewhere in the middle, maybe when you're like really struggling in the middle and they can talk to you for five miles and like, you know, all of a sudden those five miles go so much quicker. And then almost when they drop off, it's like a whole new run has started and you're like kind of reset in your brain. You're like, okay, now I only have six miles to go. Like I can do six miles. Um, so just like, yeah, breaking it up like that can really help. Yeah, it is really, it is really interesting how you were saying at the beginning, you know, from the front of the train, like feeling really good. And sometimes you're on the back of being, you know, there's like a point where I was, (laughs) I am 
crushing life right now. And then I would go and I had, you know, went over the holiday break mm. and traveled a ton, drove. Yeah. Um, you eat differently. It's not your bed. Yeah, it's not on point. Yeah. It, it's you're not on point. It's not even that. It's just that you don't have the food. You, you don't eat at the time that you normally would. Right. You know, I had to get rid of coffee through my training cycle. Um, it, um, my, my body was like, Hey, hard pass. No, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's, that's brutal to learn how to like kick that. So now that that's gone, that's been, yeah. you know, three months of that has changed other things. Like learning how to be, this is a whole new thing for me. Obviously it's not a whole new thing. For yeah. Me. In listening to you talk, it's like having consistency and being able to say to yourself, I'm doing this for a very definitive reason because, you know, I've gotten to this before. People know that this is the reason why I'm doing this race, but for the most part, it's discipline is a muscle and it's one that you have to exercise and it can atrophy so freaking easy for it to be like a cop out of like, I don't need to do this. No one's asking me to do this. But I think having, like, you've got your babes, I've mm-hmm. got, you know, really solid runner friends just check in on me in a way that I would have never asked them to do. My fiance, you know, ran in high school and ran a marathon and really didn't train for it and still finished in like four and a half hours, which who does that? But <laughs> for me, every run, he checks in on every run. It's, do you need oh, any, is there anything so I can nice. get? And he, and he travels for work. So he's never home. He's gone four days a week, five days a week. And it, he'll still check in on every run. Yeah. That to me is like, you, I don't know how you do life alone in general, but I don't know how you run alone. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it, it is such an individual sport that some people do get caught up doing it alone. And I think it's just so much harder that way. So I'm glad, yeah, I'm glad you have found a few people at least to, to check in on you. Yeah. So when you're talking about your mindset during training, it is a super individual sport, but do you feel like the fact that you've got that community actually makes you more capable when you're running because you, you've done kind of the work on your own anyway. And it's more about the pride of being in a group. Yeah. I mean, when I, so when I, when I went to Florida state, the, a big part of what drove me to that school and what really attracted me to the program was the coach, obviously, but also just that group of women uh, made me feel like when I visited them, they just made me feel really excited about training and they had a good vibe. Like you could tell they were close. They would hang out outside of practice. Like it wasn't like they used each other to work and then they were like, okay, but we're not actually friends, you know, like they were truly friends and they supported each other. And if, you know, somebody got sick, they would take care of each other. They were a family. Um, and so that's really what attracted me to the program And so when I turned pro, I was like, I don't want to do this by myself. Like there are some professional runners out there who are kind of like lone wolves and might have like, you know, a husband or a wife who is there for them, but they don't have a team. Like they don't have people they train with every day. And I just knew I wasn't interested in that. I was like, that does not sound like fun to me. I could probably do it, but it's not going to, I'm not going to be a long career because I'm not going to enjoy that. It's not, that's not what gonna, what's going to bring me joy. Um, it's this team of women who I work really hard with 
you know, every day. And like I said, sometimes it's, I'm having a good day. I'm pushing them. And sometimes it's vice versa. And we just play off each other that way. And, and, but it's never, it's also not like a, Oh, you're having a bad day. I'm going to dig you into the ground on this next rep. You know, it's like, come with me. If I'm falling off the pace on a tempo, I have a teammate who's patting her hip or patting her booty to say like, come on, like stick on me. You got this. You know, I'm like, okay, like I can do it. Um, so it's, yeah, it's more than just like cheering for one another. It's like actually like putting each other on your back and saying like, you know, we're going to do this together. And then the wins, you know, her win, my win, like any high as a group, if any individual is feeling a high, it's like the whole team gets to celebrate that high with that person. And you feel like you're part of that win. Um, and of course you always, you feel the lows too. We had a girl who had just had to leave camp because she had a stress reaction. Um, and it's like, everyone's like, Oh gosh, like we feel that, you know? Um, but that's, I don't know. That's just way more, um, rewarding than going after it alone. And the, what, what happens? You go, you do the race, you get the medal and then you like go home. Like, what does that feel like? Nothing. Lonely. Yeah. So lonely. Um, so yeah, it's just I don't see myself being even interested in doing this any other way than doing it like with a team. Um and so for normal people, for people who aren't trying to go to the Olympics, I just say like you have to create your own team. Um and there's so many luckily now like road racing has just become so popular that there are so many teams all across the country, um uh, run clubs. Um there's a few I was in LA this fall. My boyfriend lives in LA and so I was there with with him this fall and joined a few run clubs for runs every now and again. Cause I was training on my own. So I was like, Oh, there's a Nike run club that meets on Tuesday mornings. I'll hop in with them. And there was one girl there who told me, Oh, Wednesday nights we meet at such and such bar and we go for a run. Then we get drinks after, you know, you should join us for that. Um, so all types of levels of seriousness. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, if you're just like a normal person, like find a run club, find people that, um, want to run with you that run your pace or maybe even run a little faster than you, um, and latch on and try and, um, create yourself your own little team to keep you motivated and keep you inspired. Oh, and the other thing that you said that, you have to have a goal. Like you have this race, you have something that is a target that you're like working towards. I think that is super important. You have to have a reason. You have to have a why. Otherwise the alarm goes off and you have to run before like most you know, normal people have to like run before work or whatever. Um, so it's early and maybe it's cold or rainy and like you don't want to do it. And the alarm goes off. You have to have a reason why you're not hitting snooze and staying in bed. It's like, no, I signed up for that damn race and I paid $150 and I'm going to do it. And so you're like, get up and do your run. You have to have a why. Yeah. I think that that's from talking to everybody, you know, every episode that we've ever done of this, that's the one thing that everyone comes down to is like, you can be really good, naturally really good at running or like super good at long jumping or like mm-hmm. be really talented in some way, shape or form. But like, there is a level of like, I've had this conversation so much, just even in the last week, which is so weird <laughs> about how you can have all the talent in the world and like, no, no drive couple drive. That's the and, I was that, thinking. and like the grit of leaning in on something. Um, and it'll just fall by the wayside. And so that's kind of what I'm hearing you talk about and what I 
had a lot of discussions in the last week because this episode will inevitably go live before my race. That's the mm-hmm. plan. So, you know, this whole season is slowly but surely leading up to that. I know that if at some point there's an excuse, I'm going to like look for it. I'm going <laughs> to, you know, and that just like, yes, I will find it. <laughs> yes. Like I will find you. Um, it is just so not an option. And that's where the types of people I have in my life are also like that. I would imagine unless that's like something you practice, it's actually really hard to do. Yeah. So there's, there's always a reason to bow out, I think. And then there's always a reason to stay. And oh, that's yeah. something I, I think what you're saying is like having, having people in your life that whether they're like professionally your teammates or not having like your quote unquote team. Yep. They're like, they're essentially the ones that are going to keep you accountable to the things that you want anyway. Mm-hmm. And I don't think like, would you say that you're unique in that you just like pop out of bed and you're like, love it. Can't wait to go do this. <laughs> every single day like I don't think anyone's like that not every single day no I mean I'm lucky I feel very lucky that I get to do something that I truly am really passionate about and I don't have to like sit at an office that you know and crunch numbers like that'd be my nightmare job would be like something in finance would be my absolute nightmare um that's what my boyfriend does (laughs) and uh yeah (laughs) but so uh, yeah (laughs) But, um, yeah, I feel like I'm really lucky to do something I'm passionate about and I really love and I do have let like burning fire for it. But even then there's like days when I wake up where I'm just like, oh, God, I have to go for a run and I just like don't feel like it. But every time that happens, my teammates are there. They're going to be there at 830 waiting for me. And so I'm like, here we go. And I get myself going and I get there. But never once have I ever finished a run and been like, I wish I hadn't done that run. Like, no, every time I finish and I meet them and I do it, I'm like, whew, thank God I did it. And usually I'm like, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be or that I was like, you know, I was dreading that too much. I was being too dramatic about that. Like, I actually, you know, I actually enjoyed that. Um, I never, ever am like, I should have just stayed in bed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's for anything, any sport, any workout, any you know, anything that you don't want to do is actually like worse in your head than you actually yeah, do. Yeah, just gotta get yourself there. Like, get yourself yeah. to the gym. Once you're there, you're gonna be fine. Yeah. Well, we were talking earlier before we got started about um, Fast Braid Friday. Is it Fast Braids yeah. with an S or just Fast Braid? Fast Braid. So, Fast Braid Friday is just because um, it could be any kind of braid style. Like, you could have cornrows or French braids or Dutch braids or like a headband braid or braids into a ponytail um you could do whatever you want as long as it makes you feel fast um and so I just I like alliteration so I post about it every Friday and call it fast braid Friday and say like okay I put my hair in uh, a French braid because my mom used to always do that for me when I was little and I went and did that tempo run with the girls that I dread because I suck at it, but I put my fast braid in and I put my big girl panties on and I just did it anyway. And Hey, I, you know, I stuck in for the whole workout this week and I haven't finished a tempo yet. You know, usually I only make it four out of the five miles, but this week I, you know, I finished the whole tempo and that is a win. Um, whatever, you know, that it means for you, whether it's like a PR in the 5k or you finished your first marathon. Um, you know, if you, 
do something that's scary and big and intimidating that you maybe didn't think that you could do or had doubts that you were going to be able to accomplish. Um, sometimes all you need is something on the outside, something kind of superficial, but um, that makes you feel good. It makes you feel confident and you get on the start line or you stand in front of that big weight and you're like, I got this. I'm going to lift that thing above my head or I'm going to run faster around the track for one lap than I ever had before. Like, let's do this. Um, and so for me, for the past, over the past couple of years, I've kind of developed that mentality around hair because hair is something that everyone can see. It's something visual, something on the outside um, that, you know, can be a symbol of strength and it can bring people together. So women and girls and sometimes even guys um, post on Instagram using the hashtag and saying what they did in their braids. Um, and they'll tag me in it or they'll tag, I have a, an account now called Fast Braid Friday that's just dedicated to braids. Um, and yeah, and, they, and that's a community. That's like a sense of community and you can be inspired by other people, um, what they did or what braid styles they were using. Um, for the next time, you know, you want to go do a race, you can be like, oh, what braids should I wear? And then see what other people are doing. Um, so yeah, it's been like a fun, kind of accidentally created this fun way to um, connect, connect people and unite people against something or, um, connect and unite people with something as simple as just hair. Yeah. I love it. And your, I mean, your hair is like how long? It's so long. It's pretty like, long now. Yeah. We're like, so for the record, obviously no one can see us but... as we're talking, but we're in, <laughs> we're on a, a video chat right now, which I find to be a lot more fun. I feel like I am sitting across the table from you, which is really nice. Yeah. I need to start doing this in person and not in my, <laughs> in my office. Um, but, but, you know, carving out the time to do something like this and like actually getting to meet someone in person is really nice. Yes. Um, I know that my, I've got these weird little like fuzzies, you know, I think as you get older, your hair like kind of does this thing right at your like, how do I have fake bangs? I don't. So no, those are so cute. Those are trendy. So, but they're so little and so tiny. Yeah. So I have those two. So like putting your hair up and out of your face, I think is really interesting. And just having something yeah. that is, you know, like, I mean, the, it's functional. It has to be functional first. Yeah. And having, you have to put your hair up somehow. Yeah. And having like all these little things, you know, you mentioned that you meditate every morning, you like wake up, go to the bathroom, meditate. Love it. Mm-hmm. Like very, yeah. like very routine. Routine. Yeah. Or yeah, like, have your you habits. Know, or doing your daily habits or doing your bullet journaling, like mm-hmm. all of those things like normalize you to the level of like, you're just, just like everybody else. You're just like more together and you, <laughs> and you're actually talented at a sport. <laughs> um, and so like that, that I think for listeners is really important from the standpoint that like you aren't some crazy person who's all by yourself, like so focused and myopic in how you see the world. It's like, no, you're like a really dynamic person who happens to be really talented, but also work like wildly hard. Yeah. I mean, and just like building those little habit things that you do every day, like the meditation or stretching or rehab things, or, um, you know, like having your morning apple cider vinegar, like whatever your little things are that you're trying to do at first is really kind of hard and you have to like force yourself to do it. But I find, I mean, this is so true. They talk about like building habits takes however many days. It's so true though. Like after a month here at altitude, we come up here. Um, I'm in Colorado Springs. We retrain all month of 
the month of January and part of February. And, you know, I'm trying to be really good about those little things. And after like three or four weeks here, all of a sudden I'm like, I'm not trying that hard anymore. Like it's just happening. And I just, I wake up, I don't even think about it anymore. I wake up, go to the bathroom, meditate, apple cider vinegar, oatmeal, run, stretch. Like it's just all of a sudden you're just doing it. And you're like, oh, like, yeah, now I'm in a great routine. Um, the same, same thing can happen over Christmas break really easily when you're like, ice cream, cookies, grandma made pie, I eat that, I skip my run, I skipped my run yesterday, I could skip it today, and like all of a sudden you're building like negative habits, and that happens really easily too, um, but yeah, definitely not like a superhero, I think just being intentional and being persistent with your goals and your habits end up, you know, paying off like way more than you could ever imagine. Yeah, I love that. I was going to use the word intentional earlier, and you beat me to it, so I love that. <laughs> I, um, one thing that I, I want to make sure that we talk about is, so you, when we were going over it earlier, I was like, what is that? I could Google that, or you could just describe it to us. What is the steeplechase? Because that's steeple what you chase. want. You told <laughs> yeah. me. So for everybody listening, it's 3,000 meters, mm-hmm. um, so it's just under two miles, but what is right. like, what are the defining characteristics of that race that you run? Yeah, yeah. so it's on the track. Um, the track is 400 meters around, so it's seven and a half laps um, on a 400-meter track, just under two miles. But every lap has four of these big wooden barriers. Um, they're dissimilar to sprinter hurdles in the way that they do not move when you hit them. They do not flop over um, onto the track the way sprinter hurdles do. These are very much stationary and you will fall onto the track if you hit one of these barriers. Um, Or imagine if someone else who's running right in front of you, because you don't have your own lane, someone right in front of you missteps or you know, kind of goes over it funny or, or trips on it right in front of you, like that could take you down. It's not even your fault. So it's kind of, it's really fun in that way. So each of these, each lap has four of these barriers. And then on the corner of the track on one uh, curve, we have a barrier that is placed in front of a pit of water. And the idea is that you step one foot on the barrier, you launch yourself over the water, your next foot is like at the edge of the water, and then your next foot is on dry ground. So it gets the deepest point of the water pit is right below the hurdle. And then it kind of gradually comes back up to track level. I think it's like eight feet from the, I'd have to Google check that, but it's like, you have to like launch yourself over the water. And then some people, if you don't launch yourself or if someone in front of you doesn't launch themselves, you could find yourself waist deep in water and have to wade out back onto the track and continue on your way for the rest of the race. (laughs) So it gets to be a little crazy, but it's also just super fun. And there's always something to think about. You know, you always have the next hurdle, the next hurdle. Um, you can't get caught up in, oh, that hurdle was bad. You just have to be like, it's done. And 150 meters, there's going to be another hurdle. I got to focus on that. So it's very exciting and definitely something that I've grown to be passionate about. Yeah, it sounds really neat, too. Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, there's nothing else like it on the track. So it's kind of kind of crazy and kind of fun. I also run the 1500 or the mile and sometimes um, like this weekend I'll be running an indoor race which is a 3k so no 3k same distance as the steeplechase but no hurdle it's just flat (laughs) so I do other events too but I yeah I specialize in the steeplechase whenever it comes to like going to the olympics or going to world champs 
So when it comes to your tempo runs, you're like four miles is like, why am I running twice as far as I normally am running? (laughs) Well, every Sunday I run like an hour and 45 minutes and I cover like 15 or 16 miles. So that really makes me think, why the hell am I doing this? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, But it makes you strong. (laughs) Yeah, it does. I think like mentally it definitely would. Um, yeah. In terms of the steeplechase, knowing that there are, correct me if I'm wrong, three women who do, three American women who do this. Well, race. there's, sorry, there's, um, I did mention that in the beginning, but there are a lot of American women who do the steeplechase and there will be like, I think probably, probably 40 that qualify for the Olympic trials but it's been the same three that keep qualifying for worlds in the Olympics since 2016. It's been myself, Emma Coburn and my teammate, Courtney Frerichs. Um, the three of us continue to be like the top three in the U S barring like injury or any uh, craziness happening this summer. Knock on wood. Um, I would expect it to be the same three women competing for team USA in Tokyo as well. That's so exciting. So that's, you're looking at that for August then. Yeah. Yeah. We have to qualify. We have tri- Olympic trials for track and field are in the end of June. Um, and then, yeah, the Olympics will be in August. Well, I feel like that's a really good place for us to stop because it sounds yes. like we caught some momentum talking about how you're definitely going to make it. <laughs> and so are your teammates too. Are the, are the other two women, are they both, they're both with Bowerman as well. Only one of them is um, Emma Trains in Boulder um, with a, a, a separate group. Um, and then Courtney and I are on the same team. And then we'll have women from the Bowerman Track Club competing in the 1500, the steeplechase, the 5K, the 10K, and we'll have some at the marathon trials. Um, we'll have men in all those events as well. That's so exciting. Yeah. That's so exciting. Well, <laughs> Colleen, this was awesome. It was so nice to talk to you. I know we covered like so much ground. Um, (laughs) Is there, is there anywhere if people want to follow kind of all these races that you're doing and really track you as you um, try to shoot for Tokyo, is there anywhere where they can find you on Instagram or like kind of what's the best way for people? Yeah, for sure. Um, I love Instagram. So that's probably if you want updates, I post almost every day. I'm at Steeple Squigs on Instagram and Twitter. And then I have a website that's um, ColinQuigley.org. Someone stole ColinQuigley.com and won't give it to me. It's really rude. So I have ColinQuigley.org and I post all kinds of stuff on there. And I have a newsletter that you can sign up for on my website as well. That I try and, and um, give updates on races and workout videos and recipes that I'm loving, um, all kinds of stuff like that. And it's, of course, free. Um, but yeah, it's a big year. The Barman Track Club has their own Instagram handle, Barman TC, and um, Steeple Squigs is me, so you can follow all of us and be up to date on all the exciting happenings. Colleen, thank you so much for being on. It was great to talk to you. Thank you. And good luck in, uh, is it May? March. March. Yeah, good luck in March in uh, Atlanta. Woo! <laughs> <laughs>